What started as a report into sexual misbehaviour, apparently, in the law industry has become a proposal from the New Zealand Law Society to introduce a new statutory duty for lawyers, including discharging their duties in accordance with the principles of the treaty. The meaning of the principles are uncertain, of course, but if not followed, could result in disciplinary action to be taken against lawyers. Now, criminal defence lawyer, medical doctor Roderick Mulgan is with us on this. Very good morning to you. Good morning. Thank Does it make sense to me. you? No, it doesn't. Could I just mention that there's a process underway and we've got until the 31st of May for all the lawyers out there to let their views be known to the society. But no, it most certainly does not make sense. And as you mentioned in introducing me, what are the principles? If this thing is going to be in the law, what will it require us to do? Uh, There is a lot of debate out there about exactly what the principles of the treaty should be. It's open to interpretation, um, isn't it? Well, it's very much open to interpretation. And it's fine to put these things in mission statements of all sorts of organisations, which is, is, is popular at the moment. But the thing about the law is that it's all about knowing exactly what words mean and what your duties are and, and what you have to do. Would the Law Society, so even, surely the Law Society would understand that? You would hope so. You would hope so. But there is a lot of push behind getting this law change and introducing this duty, and it would be enforceable. So you, you could be disciplined by the law society if you didn't practice according to the principles of the treaty, whatever they might be. So could they, would the law society, drive this and go, here are the principles that we've decided to interpret, and here's what they mean to us, and here's for, this is what you will follow? Is that possible? Well, I suppose that's one way it could be done. Um, but then, of course... What are they going to say the principles are? And then if you start practicing this in, in a courtroom, what is the judge going to say the principles are? You see, one of the things that's occurred to me is that a lot of treaty jurisprudence is around the concept that when the Maori chiefs signed the treaty, they never intended to sign away their sovereignty. That, that is yeah. a claim that is often asserted. But... The sovereignty of the state is at the heart of practicing law. When you go into a courtroom, that ability of that courtroom to affect people's lives and convict criminals and decide cases and all that sort of thing rests on the sovereignty of the state, the ability of the state to regulate our lives. Now, lawyers are obligated to advance any argument that might assist their client, regardless of whether they agree with it or not. So might it become tenable to advance an argument that the system doesn't have sovereignty over Maori clients? Now, it seems outrageous, but the academic foundation is there Mm. that the treaty never meant that. And if the treaty is going to be imported into the heart of what lawyers have to argue, might those sorts of arguments start to arise? Could you argue for a non-Maori client? What, you mean argue that point for a well, Why not? Crime? A point's a point, isn't it? I mean, the crime is the crime, no matter who commits it. So if your defence is the defence, therefore why not argue a treaty claim whether the person's Maori or not? Because, because the treaty affects us all, doesn't it? Therefore it affects us all in law as well. Yeah, but the argument is that the Maori half of the treaty didn't sign over their sovereignty. No, but then what you're do, what you going down is a separate justice system, aren't you? Yeah, yes, yes. That's very much where this might go. And that's right up and the alley of some people who would, um, there's plenty of people in this country who would argue that's a great thing and that's what they want anyway, isn't it? Well, that could well be one of the reasons why this idea is getting some traction. <sighs> where do you reckon this goes? Well, there is 
a push on the part of the committee that's, that's looking at these things to do that. Now, a survey has already happened. A majority of respondents, 44% didn't want it. 35% did want it of those who responded. Um, nevertheless... That surprises me. That's a high given. number, isn't it? 35 is a high yeah. number. Yeah, yeah. Um, but once you put words in statutes, they take on a life. They take on a legal life. Yeah. And it's it's very useful just to remind ourselves where the modern treaty emphasis came from. And in 1987, the Labour government was very enthused about selling stuff. And it wanted to sell forestry land. And Maori interests said, well, hang on a minute. Some of that land is subject to treaty claims. And if you sell it, then it will be permanently lost to any claims process. So the government said, oh, tell us what we'll do. Tell us what we'll do. We'll stick this clause in the legislation that says that the sales have to be conducted according to the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi. And it's the first time that that phrase entered our lexicon, principles of the Treaty of Waitangi. And it was widely regarded as a sop just to make the Maori claimants go away. But once it was in the law, they did, of course, litigate. And the Court of Appeal said, well, it's in the law. It's got to have a meaning. Exactly. Interesting insight, and uh, we'll follow this with interest, and uh, given the deadline's just a week away, let's talk about it again soon. Roderick Mulgan, criminal defence lawyer and medical doctor with us this morning. You depressed? For more from the Mike Hosking Breakfast, listen live to Newstalk ZB from 6am weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.